Hello and welcome to Fully Alive TV. I am your host, Aaron Zauber of Fully Alive Coaching, and I'm really excited and grateful to be with you today. We're going to talk about uh, the paradoxical uh, reality of being human. We're going to talk about the value of listening and how to do that and, uh, and being empowered. That may be the theme today is, is really self-empowerment. How can we do that? Uh, what can we do with it? And I also want to invite people, if you'd like, you can call in. That number is right there on the screen. So you can call me and we can we can talk. As I say in most of the episodes of this show, my greatest gift is really in listening to people and bringing my presence and curiosity, asking questions and helping people discover themselves. Like that old adage, know thyself. And that knowledge is power. I think those apply whenever we have the conversation around empowerment, whether that's self-empowerment, you know, empowering people in general. And of course, that cannot be divorced from responsibility. So we're going to talk about all that today. And uh, feel free to call in at any point. If you have a question, comment, um, you know, whatever you want to bring is, is welcome here. And that would really add to the show, bring a lot of value. So feel free to dial that number. And, and we'll get to it. And then at some point, I also want to lead us in a short embodiment meditation practice in order to not just have the theory, but also the practice of what I'm preaching here. It's one thing to theorize about life, and it's another to actually live it. It's one thing to philosophize in our armchairs and our ivory towers, but it's an entirely different thing and, and a very necessary thing to experience life directly. Because very often the direct experience of life flies in the face of what we think it might be, right? It contradicts what we think it might be. Okay, so let's dig in a little bit. I think a lot about the topic of the topics of empowerment, of human connection, of of boundaries, of living an optimal life, of being fully alive. And what I've noticed is our capacity to connect with other people and be successful with other people in terms of of having harmony and flow and enjoyment and aliveness in our relationships. The, the most crucial factor in having great connections with other people is having a great connection with ourselves. And if we want to see a world, if we want to live in a world of great compassion, a world of more harmony and peace and flow, 
then we must start with ourselves. Because if I hate myself, it's going to be very difficult for me to love you. Maybe impossible. You know, if I have, if I have things hidden in my shadow that I'm unaware of or that I'm unwilling to be with, that is a limit on my capacity to be with you. Which is why, again, the, I, the most valuable thing that I offer people in my coaching is not advice. It's not this sort of thing that I'm doing here where I'm giving you a framework. I'm offering you a framework through which you can maybe navigate your life with more ease and flow and aliveness. But the most valuable asset, if you will, that we have, that we all possess, or that we all are in charge of at this time, is our presence, our capacity to be with. That's what I defined. That's what I define love as. What, what love really actually is, it's not some feeling of infatuation. It's not even necessarily joy. It's not necessarily, you know, warm feelings of affection, although all those things can nicely come along with it. But essentially, what love is, is our ability, our capacity to be present, our, our pure presence, our ability to be with someone. And that starts with ourselves. We can be with ourselves more. We can be with each other. And that's, that's the challenge, right? Is to be with each other, to be with ourselves in connection to each other. If we could only do that, <laughs> then a lot of our issues would be solved, right? And, and if we, we really are honest with ourselves, if we become our own whistleblowers and admit when we either push a little bit too far or we don't protect our own boundaries, for example, right? You know, because it can go sort of either way. And we also engage with the practice. You know, we don't back off so much that we're closed in our house and we never come out, but we also, we also try things. We also are willing to play to our edges, to the edges of our comfort zone is what I mean by that. And, and that's where the growth happens. That's where the aliveness happens. You know, if, if we're not, if there's not a little bit of sensation, then we're not really fully alive. You know, if we feel nothing at all, then, you know, we're either numb or we're dead, you know, or, or we're in some, some state of being frozen, which is probably not the most alive state we can be in. So what I propose is that aliveness is found somewhere between no sensation at all and so much sensation that it overwhelms us and it takes us out. Okay, there's a happy zone, an alive zone, where it's sort of on the edges of our comfort zone. And then it's, and then it's seasonal and it's timely, right? Because sometimes, like right now, it's where, where I am, there's snow on the ground, it's cold out, and the, the, you know, even the, the sap on the trees has gone inward. There's a lot more, you know, here in the Northern Hemisphere, everything has sort of become gone into this internal state. So there's a seasonal ebb and flow. And a lot of times what comes along with this increased darkness, you know, there's 14 hours of, of night or of darkness where we are and only, only about 10 hours of light per day right now. We're coming up on the solstice in just a, a week or a couple of weeks. And when we get to these extremes of 
you know, of the light and the darkness of the mass of the masculine and the feminine, respectively, then we can, you know, I, I think it's cool. I've always lived on the edges and I've experimented with extremes of, you know, extremes of living within, within bounds, because of course I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be taken out. So the opportunity here is to notice what is needed in this moment, contextually, situationally. As much as we want easy solutions to some of the most challenging problems in life, to our biggest challenges, in those situations where the lines are fine, where there's a thin line, sometimes the, there's not an easy, simple solution to everything. Sometimes it does get fine. And, and, and where is that happy zone for you, that alive zone for you between a little bit of discomfort or a little bit of what I like to call heightened sensation versus too much? You know, where is that boundary for you? And you're likely to, you know, you're likely to, to not, I encourage people to find out where those edges lie. And to go slowly, the closer you seem to be approaching the, the edges, the, you know, like too much intensity, intensity, it's wise to slow down a little bit. And if you're getting a little bit too dead, it's wise to maybe increase the sensation. And then again, the whole point ultimately is that we're able to be with that sensation, the more sensation we can be with. And what do I mean when I say sensation? It's a, it's a feeling, it's a sense, it's a, it's a direct experience which happens in our bodies. And I, and I love to remind people of this because it's when we understand this relationship of our capacity to be with high sensation, and then we understand that we can increase our capacity to be with high sensation. When we know that, when we practice that, we can, we can know what it means to be more fully alive. We can experience more life. And who doesn't want that? Right? So I always want to remind people of these sort of guiding principles of, of balance, of that, ha- of that alive zone. Um, I've, uh, you know, one thing that occurred to me to talk about a little bit today, uh, maybe seven, six or seven years ago, I read the book Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, which is all about that philosophy known as objectivism. And in the book, and I'm probably going to do, you know, I'm not going to do this justice, but I'm just going to explain, as I understand it, some of the basic, basic premises of of the framework. And then I'm going to show how there's a, there's a paradox here that we can apply to our lives individually to be more empowered. And I'm going to see if I can extract the wisdom here for you so that you can be more successful in your relationships, whether those are um, intimate relationships with a significant other or even you know, business dealings, which you know, all have their different, different domains and, and different applicable sort of means of action. And also how you can just navigate your life in generally with a little bit more understanding of what's happening. Probably the biggest thing that I took from that book was remembering that I'm not obligated to people just because they ask something of me. And the reason why this is, this is relevant is because 
Well, there's a there's a couple things. So so this is good. I can riff on this for quite a while. Um, in our interpersonal relationships, we are we are often we're we're aware of to some extent we're aware of each other's needs and wants. Whether that's um, let me take the example of um, of um, let's see something we can all relate to. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is is walking past a homeless person on the street. It's a really sad thing. It's and often comes with a lot of sensation that most of us, a lot of people, will tend to almost just block out and ignore. Either we won't look at the homeless person, or we'll you know maybe maybe give some money. But essentially, that was a situation that um, I encountered and many people encounter in life where it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's a, it's a high sensation situation for a lot of people, especially, you know, maybe people get into their habits and they just, you know, this is how I act around this situation. But essentially, because the principles of this situation underlie all of our interactions with people to some extent, I really wanted to understand what's going on here, and I hope that I can give some clarity for you here. So what's hard about this situation is the suffering. And I think that's where that's the best place to start so that we can find some common ground. So again, the common ground, the shared humanity, you know, if we're looking to have a global consciousness here and to be inclusive of everyone as much as we can, then we need to start with what we have in common. And what we have in common is suffering, essentially. That that this experience of life is is oftentimes very difficult and um and confronting and unpleasant. And if we can start with that common ground and go from there, then we can maybe maybe find some, you know, find more common ground. Maybe we can grow that, right? We can energize that. Versus if we focus so much on our divisions, on what we don't agree on, in a way, if what we focus on, we energize. What we focus on, we grow, right? We grow that thing. It, it becomes larger. So if we're focusing on what divides us, we may find that we soon become more divided. So again, that's why it's important to focus first on what do we have in common. Now, Paradox here is that a sense of obligation does not mean that we are actually obligated. So as much as it hurts when I pass by a homeless person and they need help, as much as I want to help them, it doesn't mean that I'm morally obligated to help them. And I think that's a really that's a just a, a pretty brutal reality that can be, you know, for, that's universally hard is that when we see people who are in need or we see people who are suffering, that's pretty hard. I think that shows us where we are all connected underneath this, you know, these the appearances of our separate waves of this ocean. I was reading or rereading in the book Immortal Self a few days ago, a couple sentences where, uh, you know, these spiritual leaders are having this conversation about the waves versus the ocean and how sometimes the ocean is considered more real than the actual waves 
But is that really so? Why would the waves of the ocean be considered more real? Why would the form, so here we are as extensions of whatever quantum field of energy underlies this expression, right? I'm an expression of it. So are you and your family. We're all like little bit different expressions of the, of the field, right? Of this energy field that has somehow appeared as us. And here we are talking to each other. It's amazing. So we can remember that connectedness, that inseparable interrelatedness. When we connect with another human being who's suffering, we will often, if we're not completely psychopathic and, and numbing ourselves from our experience, we'll, we will feel some degree of that suffering. And that's hard. And, and that reality sometimes, when we feel that suffering inside of ourselves, inside of our vehicles, that can, we can have an idea that maybe that obligates us to actually help that person. And in that book, Atlas Shrugged, essentially, it's a, you know, 1100 plus pages. I was able to extract that, that, that idea that, that no, it's, it's hard because of the suffering, but it, it doesn't obligate us. Otherwise there, you know, it's, it's, it's not a sustainable path. Essentially. I always try to bring people, including myself into what is most sustainable. What is most sustainable for, for me, you know, we first of all, we need to start with ourselves individually, right? That's the paradox of honoring the collective and the individuals in the collective and sacrificing neither. Okay. I, I never said this was an easy thing to do. I think I opened up with that idea that, that this whole thing is, you know, we, as much as we want these straightforward, easy solutions, it gets complicated and it gets complex. It's not easy. Like, how do we actually? honor the collective and the individual at the same time. I think if we can find a way to do that, then we're much closer to paradise. Okay. And when we can recognize the fundamental, the fundamental mechanisms that cause unrest or, or violence that, you know, it's, it's good to be aware of those. What I've narrowed it down to is essentially control and des the desire to control. Which is, which is different from agreements and it's different from consensus, right? There's a, there's a fundamental tension that may never go away between these different parts, right? There's a tension between the individual and the collective, between the masculine and the feminine, right? Between night and day. Uh, it seems like you know, there's this wave, like sometimes it's night, sometimes it's day, sometimes it's winter, sometimes it's summer. So when we can recognize these seasonalities and these, this flow, like the yin yang symbol, and we can honor all of it, every part of it, and we can listen to it, that's when we're really on to something. I think the problem with, uh, with, you know, this idea of objectivism is that we forget that there's something also called subjectivism. And whenever we find ourselves going too far to either extreme, saying everything is objective or everything is subjective, we may be entering unsustainable territory and we may be entering into a place that will cause a lot of suffering at some point. Right. <clears throat> you know, if we get too 
fixed on um, on this idea of one of the in one of the communities that I uh, that I was a part of and sort of peripherally connected to. There was this idea of masculine and feminine integrity, and I love I love this because it it, it demonstrates again more of what I'm talking about. Masculine integrity, for example, would say. Um, this is what I committed to, and I'm going to follow it no matter what. Feminine integrity would say, this is what I said I'm going to do, and now I feel differently about it, and I'm going to honor that. Now, what do you think would happen if we lived only in one form forever, you know, indefinitely? The answer is we would be in a lot of trouble. We would be in a place of a lot of suffering. Because what if we, we never allow room for things to change. What if I rigidly declare that, you know, when I'm, when I'm 15 years old, I rigidly declare that I'm going to do this one profession for the rest of my life. And because I said I was going to do it when I was 15, now here I am, 30 years old, stuck in this one profession, and, and I can't change. Well, that's a problem, right? The, the plus side you know, I, the, the positive is that people can rely on me. People can depend on me. They know if I say it, that I'm going to follow through. And that can lead to a lot of uh, positive results. But the drawback is that maybe I'm unfulfilled inside. You know, maybe I actually have new desires that came to the front and I'm not allowing myself to change my mind. I think one of the things that really stops us in, in creating a, an optimal life, you know, the optimal sort of state of flow is we don't allow ourselves to change our mind. Maybe sometimes we allow ourselves to change our mind too much, or sometimes we don't allow ourselves to change our mind at all. Because there's pros and cons to both, to both sides, right? So all of these different topics and ideas, uh, I, I like to provide a framework to show the, the sort of complexities, and also, again, to help navigate I like to show how it's okay to not be so rigid in our thinking and to allow for possibilities that can help everyone not to suffer so much. And ultimately, what I found is that the most valuable thing for actually living in the flow is our capacity to be with life and to be able to listen. The way that I do that for people is by amplifying along with them their experience of reality. In other words, we turn the volume up on what is going on for them, on what's happening for them. We turn the volume up and they can actually hear it and see it. And there's something about putting two awarenesses together that allows that to happen. You know, when we're alone, alone in our room, there's a, there's a thing that we could do. You know, we could journal, we can write. I think that that can be an effective thing to do. You know, we can sit there and sort of think. But there's something magical that happens when you bring a really present person in connection with, an, with another person with the intention to discover what is actually there. One super interesting thing that I've noticed happens in terms of someone 
speaking their truth. I think this is an idea that gets, uh, it gets thrown about a lot these days, this idea about speaking our truth. Uh, it's very important. What I've noticed with what we call our truth, or when we say this, what is true for me, is that what's really happening is there's an idea. There's an idea that we believe. And we believe it so strongly that we, we call it true. And that makes it true for us. And when we are willing to be with the strength of that, of, of our belief of that idea, and we're willing to state it, and we're willing to share it, we're willing to let it sort of come up and out. There's something pretty magical and counterintuitive that happens, which is that oftentimes, not necessarily every time, but very often, that truth starts to shift. Have you ever noticed that there is a process involved with forgiveness, for example? Letting go of something. That counterintuitively, very often, the first step for someone to actually forgive another human is often they get honest about how angry they really are about whatever happened. And maybe they'll even say things like, I'll never forgive you for that. Right. And in that moment, they're speaking their truth. And like I mentioned, when we allow that to happen, when we allow someone to share their truth, again, an idea they believe, it has this magical way of making room for something else. And I think that process is super critical. If you're like me, you've had very strong beliefs in your life that maybe you no longer hold so strongly. Maybe you hold them a little bit more lightly. Maybe if you think about your younger days, think about when you were you know, uh, in your late teens and you were very passionate about certain ideas. And maybe, maybe you're not so certain of them anymore, or maybe you've sort of allowed for a, a bigger perspective, or you see the grain of truth in the other side of what you believe. So again, there is a lot of power in allowing ourselves to really state what we see as true for us, what we feel is true in the moment, what we believe, because it allows us to make room. And that's a big part of what I do with my clients is I help them actually bring their reality, bring their ideas and their beliefs to the forefront so that they can come out. An interesting thing that happens in these conversations is that a lot of beliefs and ideas are sort of running them in the background. This happens uh, to all of us humans. And there's something about a gentle slowing down that allows them to come to the front. When someone is feeling really, really protective or really guarded about some part of them, maybe there is some tenderness, uh, maybe there's some hurt underneath, you know, maybe some really difficult things have happened to them in their life. In order for that energy to, to flow again, Okay, that's another way of saying letting it go. In order for that energy to be let go, in order for that energy to really come out and come back into the flow and not be held down, there's, 
there's a deep, um, there's sort of this strong tenderness that is called for. And people are highly unlikely to share their, their deeply charged beliefs, their, their deeply intense emotional beliefs. If the atmosphere is aggressive, isn't that true? And what I'm suggesting here is that when we can bring compassion to those areas in ourselves, when we have developed a container of compassion, a strong container, it allows us to also hold, okay, in the gentle sense of that word, that same amount of life in another person. Okay. So that practice is essentially what I'm talking about when I talk about being more fully alive. Life or energy, this experience of electromagnetic flow inside of us that lights us up, that is almost like the, the, the blood in our veins, right? And it's the blood in our veins, it's, it's contained by the, by the capillaries themselves, right? It has, a, it has a boundary. This is very natural to have boundaries, to have a container to hold the intensity of life. So these practices that we can do with ourselves, like this you know, little embodiment meditation we'll go through here in a minute, or even simple things like, like yoga or dance, things that can get us in our body. And, and, and when I say us, you know, what I mean is our awareness. It, I propose that's what we more truly are. That's a more sustainable thing because these bodies, they're going to die, right? They're going to they're gonna fade away. But what is actually energizing these bodies? Well, maybe it's something even more fundamental than these bodies themselves. You know, that's a view that, that flies in the face of materialism. But if you think about it, maybe it's true, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's true. So I, I invite you to consider that what you really are is something that has the capacity to be in a body. And that when you practice being in your body or being with your body, also known as embodiment, Okay, or maybe even empowerment. That you're practicing your life, practicing your life, and you are able to be more fully alive. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, you know, if that if you would like to be more empowered, you'd like to be more effective in the actions you take, you'd like to be more successful, you'd like to be more impactful in your actions, then I suggest it starts with becoming familiar with your experience. Very simple, right? So simple we could easily miss it, apparently. And again, that you can do it on your own, which is fantastic. I do it every day. 
some often multiple times per day, you know, these em, sort of embodiment meditations, embodiment practices. You can do it, by the way. Uh, my meditation lineage that I practice in is Dharma Ocean. It's a Tibetan Tibetan meditation lineage that's very much embody, about embodiment and not bypassing any of reality, but cultivating our capacity to be with it as it really is in the direct experience. Um, there's also a lot of great little embodiment practices on the on the free meditation app called Insight. Uh, I guess it's just called Insight or Insight Meditation app. If you just look that up, I'm sure you'll find it right away. It's pretty popular. And that's a really nice one. It has these different bells that that ding. You can set it to ding at different times. So I I I think that the more people can be with themselves have compassion, com cultivate compassion with what and who they are that allows them to do that for others. They're going to feel better. Better. They're going to be healthier because there's more energy flow. There's less stagnant, stuck, or even overreactive energy. And then that can spread out. You know, we can grow that. We can energize that by focusing on it. So I want to take this opportunity now to invite you to, to uh, to practice this with me, I'm just going to lead us through about five minutes of, of scanning our bodies so that we can cultivate our power, okay? So that we can use it for good, for construction. Okay, so wherever you are, uh, if you're able to, if you're able to safely just begin noticing your breath, putting your awareness on it, and if you notice any any judgments, just bring your attention back to your breath. And then put your awareness gently in your feet. Notice your toes. Just notice the sensation. The information ready for you to receive it. Feeling all the sensations in your feet, in your heels and ankle. And inviting your feet to relax. And notice your lower legs from the knees down. Just gently placing your awareness inside your inside your calves and shins. Notice the weight of your bones. And invite your body to relax. Notice your upper legs. Again, becoming aware of the sensations in and around your upper legs. Notice your pelvis. Just invite your full lower body to relax from your pelvis to your toes.
noticing the increase in sensation as you cultivate that with your awareness. And every time your mind starts to wander, just bring it back. Bring your awareness to your, to your low belly, the organs in the lower part of your torso. Inviting them all to relax. Let go of any tension. Also notice any flow. Notice the open parts. Feel your mid-chest. The chest and stomach. The rib cage. Your back. Notice your lungs and your heart. Bring your awareness all the way up your torso, down to your toes. Notice how your mind may naturally begin to quiet as you continually bring your awareness back to your body. place where your awareness lives for a time. Noticing your shoulders and upper arms. Your elbows and forearms. Notice the world of sensation in your hands and each finger. All this electromagnetic information passing through. Notice your neck and throat. Relax. Your jaw and face. See if you can relax the, your eyes, the muscles of your eyes. And just let them be. The back and top of your head. Feeling your entire body. So if you've just done this very simple, very short somatic practice with me, I want to thank you for being with your body, for cultivating your awareness and your capacity to be with you. Because as far as I can tell, that increases your capacity to be with me. And that means a lot to me. So again, if you would like to find more practices like that, there are many available. There's free guided meditations 
on dharmaocean.org. It's D-H-A-R-M-A, dharmaocean.org. Um, you can look at past episodes of this. I do you know, similar little ones. You may have to sort of wade through the, the talking to find it, but those are available on nissancommunications.com. And I want to thank you all for, for being here, for being human, for embracing your life as much as you can each and every day, for always doing your best, and for you know, just getting up and, and trying again whenever you don't get the result you are looking for. Uh, I want to thank, thank you for every time you take little risks, for when you put yourself out there and you, you risk losing something, you know, or, or maybe you risk gaining something, you know, the apparent gain. Uh, I, I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's not always easy to be human. So if we can continue to cultivate compassion, for ourselves and others, then we're doing something great here, in my opinion. I also want to invite anyone, if you would like, to shoot me an email. Let me know how you're liking the show. You can email me at Aaron at fullyalive.coach. And that would be, I would really appreciate that. Um, you can tune in here every Tuesday at 11 a.m. where I do a live show. I always invite people to call in. Sometimes people call in and we have little conversations about these topics, you know, about life, and what makes for a life worth living and what allows us to live with more aliveness and more flow. So I think we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Again, I'd love to hear from you. You have any thoughts? Thank you so much for tuning in. May you be ever more fully alive. Talk to you next Tuesday. You are tuned to the Nissan Communications Network. If you tuned in too late, you can always watch each program in its entirety or download an MP3 audio file of it in the archive section at nissancommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. Sponsored by Telestream's Wirecast Software, StreamingGear.com, Carolina Apparel, and DeltaForce.net.